0: U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high dash yield dash account.
1: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is special coverage of the Iowa caucuses on Bloomberg TV and radio. We thank you for joining us. The race called early for Donald Trump, but we've got a long way to go here in figuring out second, third, and the margins of victory. Bloomberg's Julie Fine joins us for more from the Iowa Election Center, where she's got her eyes on the numbers right now. Julie, how long do you think we'll wait to learn more?
3: I think it's going to be a while before we really determine second and third place because if you look at the numbers that have come in, they're in the smaller counties and they're smaller groups of people. So let's talk to our global audience a little bit. In a caucus situation, people come together and vote. The numbers that they're getting now are from smaller groups from more outlying areas. You're going to need a big dump from Des Moines or the bigger cities to really get that picture on second place. And right now, the numbers are really showing that Governor Ron DeSantis and Governor Nikki Haley, the former ambassador to the U.N., they're really locked in at 17 percent. But again, I really want to caution here. We're looking at just about one percent of the vote. So the former president right now is well above 50 percent. But to really dissect the 17 percent, you're going to have to see bigger numbers from bigger counties. Now, the former president, of course, Joe and Kaylee, we have talked about this, needed to make a very big number tonight to make a statement, over 50%. Right now, he is hit there. So now, again, the race is for second place. What I'll really be watching is Sioux County to see how that goes for Governor DeSantis. You also have to really pay attention to Des Moines and the Des Moines suburbs to see where that plays out for Nikki Haley. Those numbers appear not to be in quite yet. So again, there is a long way to go in that race for second place now is something you really have to keep your eye on. Why? You really have to keep your eye on that for the, governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. His eggs are in the Iowa basket. If he does not do as well as Nikki Haley or their neck and neck here, he goes to New Hampshire, where Haley has really been putting on the press for votes and for the win. This is a critical, critical night for Ron DeSantis and for the DeSantis campaign. Kaylee and
4: Joe? All right. Bloomberg's Julie Fine at the Election Center. Thank you so much. Back with us now around the table, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. So Jeannie, she was just making the point there about how invested DeSantis has been in New Hampshire, how this feels at least to many of us who have been watching it like something of a make or break moment for his campaign. Even if he gets second place, if Trump's lead is commanding enough, Can his campaign realistically move forward
1: from here? You know, I I think he probably will, especially if he comes in second. But I do think it's a real uphill battle. When we look at some of the models, you know, it becomes increasingly harder for either DeSantis or Haley, if they lose in Iowa, lose in New Hampshire, to get the number of delegates they need to beat Donald Trump. So I think it's an uphill battle for him, even if he comes in second, because We talked about the fact he doesn't have much of a game in New Hampshire. He's going to try in South Carolina. He's not polling well there. Nevada has been completely pulled out from under them due to what Trump has done there. So it's really, really tough to see where he goes from here, especially if even if he comes in second numerically and in terms of the actual percentage to lose counties, not win any, which could happen. um, I think it's really hard to make the case that there's a pathway forward for him.
2: Boy, this is remarkable, the extent to which the narrative has changed uh, since we came on the air this evening. Uh, Ron DeSantis, to Julie Fine's point, put his eggs in the Iowa basket. Nikki Haley put her eggs somewhere in New Hampshire. And I wonder how she can control the narrative in the next four days. Moving into Manchester to spin whatever happens here tonight is maybe not a positive, but something that could be followed on by a big win in the first of the nation primary state
5: yeah i i would say uh nikki haley is running a multi-state campaign. Mm -hmm. Right. Ron DeSantis is running a single state campaign. She did come in late uh, off of some momentum that she was generating and spent heavily in the last two weeks, she's dominated the airwaves, spending much, much more than Donald Trump and and Ron DeSantis combined. Mm -hmm. So she played here. She just played in a different way without the ground game. We're going to see whether or not that materializes as a second place finish for her. But she does have a very strong operation in New Hampshire, starting with the endorsement of the incredibly popular governor, Chris Sanu, and his entire state organization is behind her. In addition to the fact that, as Jeannie has pointed out, she has built her own impressive organization there and has attended and put on many town halls that New Hampshire voters love to test their candidates in. So um, she actually starts well ahead, even before the night is over, well ahead of Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire, and frankly on par with the organization and the support that Donald Trump has there. So she knows the game starts for her in New Hampshire tonight. As soon as she (laughs) gets on a plane and leaves here, whether it's tonight or first thing tomorrow morning, she has a fresh start with some momentum. She hasn't been written out of this uh... narrative yet and uh... and you know, it's game on in New Hampshire tomorrow.
4: Well, you say she's running a multi-state campaign. DeSantis maybe has been a single state t- campaign to this point. Either way, we've seen that it's very expensive. So the donor question is raised here as well. DeSantis has been going after Haley in recent weeks on the idea that she's in this for her donors issues, whereas he says he's in it for voters issues. But he struggled in the donor department in a way that she hasn't. Their fates almost in that regard have reversed. How does the outcome in Iowa impact their ability to access resources? Going forward, how do you fundraise if you haven't just won?
5: Yeah, you have to live off the land, and unfortunately, I've been involved in a lot of
4: campaigns. <laughs> you go foraging. That had okay. to live off
5: the land, and 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 it is possible. Yeah, you find other ways to compete. You uh, you do, frankly, what Ron DeSantis has been doing here is going and putting yourself out there with five, six events a day, uh, and and part of the advantage Nikki Haley has is she's been working that hard. She's been doing those events every day, but she's also got a little bit of momentum where the money has rushed in. Look, there's a reason that front runners usually win because they have the money. And, and insurgents uh, usually complain that, um, you know, it's a money game for them. Uh, voters don't care. In fact, I think most voters respect the fact that a campaign can raise money, because at the end of the day, whoever is the Republican nominee, they're going to have to raise a lot of money to beat Joe Biden. He is mm-hmm. sitting there with over $100 million cash in an account ready to wage a campaign
2: war against yes, the Republican right. nominee. See, we haven't talked about Joe Biden <laughs> for most of the night. It might be the first time I've heard that name. Are they popping corks here at Biden campaign headquarters? Because the narrative was that, you know, he wants to... Face Trump again is the one he knows he can beat. But numbers like this might make you think twice.
1: You know, I think they're popping them quietly. They don't want to get out ahead of themselves. But the reality is, you look at the polls, and um, the national polls were showing that who could beat him, Nikki Haley. Ron DeSantis and and Trump were beating him within a margin in the latest polls. But Nikki Haley had a pretty commanding lead over Biden. And so we've long thought that the Biden campaign would prefer to run against somebody as unpopular as the president is quite frankly, and that is Donald Trump. So if that narrative continues, then I think they are quietly saying, this is where we want to be. We beat him before we can do it again. Um, But you know, I think that's a really dangerous game. Donald Trump is an incredibly good politician. As long as he, much as he likes to say he's not, he's great at this. And Joe Biden is as well. So I think they have to be careful what they wish for. Well,
2: of course, the Bloomberg Morning Consult poll, uh, Kaylee, and the seven swing states we've been following show, Joe Biden actually has probably more to worry about than yep. conventional wisdom uh, might suggest. Uh, we're going to stick with uh, Rick and Jeannie here, and we'll be back with more of our conversation live from Des Moines. Coming up, we will add the voice of a real insider, longtime Iowa political strategist David Kochel is with us next on a special Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and radio. This is special coverage of the Iowa caucuses on Bloomberg TV and radio. We're live in Des Moines. And joining us now, a longtime Iowa political strategist. They call him the Dean of Iowa Politics. That would be David Kochel. It's wonderful to have you at the table here in the throes of a night like this, David. We had an early call for Donald Trump. Yeah. But still, a lot of questions about margins and turnout as we look at these very cold people walking by. <laughs> knowing the weather was a real factor here. What are you hearing about turnout at this stage of the
6: game? Well, it's going to be well under what was expected. Yeah? Obviously, in 2016, people mm-hmm. turned out. 2024. I think most people were setting the over under at 150,000 and a lot of people would have taken the over. The truth is this campaign hasn't been that exciting because Donald Trump has had a big lead almost all the way through Iowa. So there's two campaigns now to watch. It's Trump versus himself. Can he get over 50? If he's under yes. 50, that says half of Iowa voters said no thank you. Okay. And then the race obviously for second place. This High stakes for Ron DeSantis, bets it all here. It's really the only place he's campaigned, he spent a ton of money, and he and Nikki Haley are going to go I think back and forth all night. Mm. I have a feeling that if they're deadlocked right now with just a few counties in, Mm. the largest counties report latest because these are hand counted ballots on the ground by volunteers. So those big huge counties in places like Clive in Dallas County, in Marion and Lynn County, Bettendorf, big suburbs where she overperforms, if those come in late, that might her pus- put put her past DeSantis, in which case, I think DeSantis has a lot to think about overnight How about that.
4: do you think realistically we could see DeSantis out of this race as soon as tomorrow morning?
6: you could if he finishes in third place after having Governor Reynolds, Bob Vanderplas, a bunch of legislators, over a hundred million dollars in spending from the Super PAC, the biggest ground game spend we've ever seen in Iowa. Uh, you know, and he started in the high thirties here when he got into the race, and just kind of fell over the summer and the fall. Um, What case can he make? If he finishes third here, he's already well behind in New Hampshire. Mm. He's well behind in South Carolina. Those are the next two contests that matter. It's really hard to argue that somehow on March 5th, on Super Tuesday, he's gonna be resurrected. So I, I don't see a path for him if he finishes third. If he's in second, Maybe he has to go on to New Hampshire and see what happens. Yep. Maybe something happens in the race that we can 't foresee, but he 's in tough shape if he comes out of Iowa third tonight before seven thirty tonight when this
2: race was called, and some of the other uh, things that you 've learned since then, did you
6: expect to hear concession speeches from anyone coming out of Iowa? no i 've been around this a long time, six presidential campaigns, yep. a few of whom didn't make it the distance. Uh, it's tough for a campaign to drop out after all this investment. You want to get with your family, you want to get with your top strategists, you want to talk about it. Usually, there isn't a snap decision yeah. on a night like this. Uh, so, I wouldn't expect to hear any concessions tonight. I think tomorrow morning, everyone's going to wake up, reassess, see what their path is forward. If they can make a credible argument for a path forward, they'll try to stay in. Um, you also have the idea that if you don't do well here, if you perform below expectations you're not going to expect any more money to be coming in over the next Mm -hmm. week and these campaigns run on you know campaign donations you got to have some money to go to New Hampshire that's a Boston TV market Mm -hmm. costs about a million bucks a week Uh, you know I don't know that DeSantis is going to have the resources to continue to compete especially if he finishes You know, in third place, where he was not expected to finish.
4: We've talked at length about Governor DeSantis, about Ambassador Haley, about Trump. This evening, we have not mentioned another candidate who spent a lot of time here. (laughs) Vivek Ramaswamy. He says he did a double Grassley. He went to all ninety-nine counties twice. Yeah. Does that traditional Iowa politicking not matter anymore if he's? barely even registering enough for us to bring him up until we're an hour and 45 minutes into this program?
6: I think Vivek is a, is a special case here. If you liked Vivek Ramaswamy and you showed up at his events, you were voting for Donald Trump. He's kind of the mini Trump in this race. He had that message. And I kinda think he really wasn't running to be president. He's kinda running to be a MAGA celebrity, maybe Alex Jones. I just think his campaign hasn't been serious for a while. The first couple of debates, he was two completely different people. Uh, I think Iowans you know, they up close I think they found him to be phony. Hmm. And and I felt like he wasn't going anywhere for the last two months and it's Proved to be true. Well, if he's polling at 8% and he drops out, do those votes go straight to Donald Trump? They do. Yeah. And in New Hampshire, I don't even think he's polling at 8%. I think he's polling well below that. Here in Iowa. So I don't, yeah, here in Iowa, yeah. yeah and I, I, do, I look, he's not going to hit 8% tonight. Yeah. Um, those votes already went to Donald Trump and mm-hmm. might be the thing that puts him over 50, which is, I think, where they want to be. So yeah, Vivek just didn't uh, couldn't land couldn't land it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much time as he spent, he pulled out his money a while back. He's been off the air. So uh, you know, I think most people who are watching this closely saw that coming. Mm-hmm.
4: We are joined by a global audience this evening on television and radio. There's people watching from all over the world who essentially are trying to figure out what this means for who's going to be the nominee in 2024. To what extent right now do you think the Iowan electorate, Republicans here in Iowa, those who perhaps decided to register as Republicans for this evening to Mm -hmm. participate in, in this choice, to what extent do you think that is reflected of, of the country more widely in terms of the issues that are resonating for voters? Do we think actually Iowa may be more reflective this time around of the way the rest of this race is going to go?
6: Yeah, but Iowa is usually not a great predictor exactly. of who the nominee is going to be. I'm just wondering
4: if this time is different. Yeah,
6: it, well, it, it might be different. We have to go through New Hampshire and kind of see what New Hampshire does. New Hampshire likes to say, okay, Iowa, nice work, we're gonna change it now. And we heard Nikki Haley joke about that a week or so ago in New Hampshire. What Iowa's job really is, and what people need to understand, we're not picking the nominee here. We're winnowing the field down to a manageable race where voters really get to say, okay, of these two or three viable candidates, now we're gonna select them. Mm-hmm. We've we've already dispensed with a whole bunch of candidates that had high hopes coming in here. Mike Pence is out, Tim Scott is out, Doug. Bergam is out. A whole host of candidates didn't even make it to Iowa. Uh, usually we say there are three tickets out of Iowa. I actually think tonight there might be two. And that would be interesting because that puts us in a in a one-on-one race with Donald Trump well before we saw that in 2016. We were, we were in Florida with multiple candidates way down the calendar into March. Uh, and what Trump doesn't want, he wants to wrap this up quickly. He's got a lot of other things on his plate right now. Uh, what we need to see is, can New Hampshire maybe reverse this result, show a little bit of vulnerability with Trump if Nikki Haley were to squeak past him in New Hampshire? I think that'll scramble the national polls some. The money will flood into her campaign. And I think Donald Trump might have a race in South Carolina. He's got a lead now. But this is part of a whole, you know, several months where he's had a dominant national lead and other states aren't paying as close of attention as they are here, where he could finish under 50, and as they are in New Hampshire. So... Uh, He's the overwhelming frontrunner now. Now, there is no question about that. If you were to lose New Hampshire, I think you'd watch some national polling Mm. change. And there might be a few cracks in that inevitability.
4: All right. Well, at the very least, he's claimed that first ticket out of Iowa. We're still waiting to see who gets the second. David Kochel, thank you so much for joining us here in Des Moines this evening. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now, coming up, we'll be back with Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano to help close out this night special coverage of the Iowa caucuses on Bloomberg Television and Radio.
0: This is a paid endorsement for public investing, 5.1% APY as of March 26, 2024, and is subject to change. A high-yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing, member FINRA, SIPC. Funds from this account are automatically deposited into partner banks where they earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither public investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high-yield-account.
4: This is special coverage of the Iowa caucuses on Bloomberg television and radio. We're getting more numbers out throughout this evening after the race was called for former President Donald Trump and Bloomberg's Tyler Kendall is here with the latest. Tyler, what else do we know? What are the figures telling us?
1: Yep, Kaylee. So now about 36% of the expected vote is in and that includes most of eastern Iowa and also central Iowa. I want to pull out two counties. One is Polk County uh, where we are here in Des Moines. That is trending towards former President Trump as well as Dallas County. That is right to the west of us. It is the fastest growing county in Iowa. These two counties very populous, but also considered more moderate places where Nikki Haley has really been focusing her campaign attention. Interesting too, Dallas Uh Mitt Romney in 2012, in that general election, he won it by 12 points. Trump then won it by nine points. But the last election, he only won it by two. So this was an area that Nikki Haley's campaign has really been targeting, trying to get those moderate voters. These were the central counties that I think she was hoping to make a splash in tonight.
4: All right, Tyler, thank you so much. And as we close out the program this evening, Joe, Mm -hmm. we got to bring in our closers, as we always do.
2: That's correct. There's only one closing panel, and that's Rick Davis (laughs) and Jeannie Shanzano. This moved fast tonight. We're not done. I'm wondering, Rick, if we're gonna wake up tomorrow and know second and third places.
5: Yeah, look, I think the reporting is coming in on pace. Uh, And as uh, Dave Cottrell was talking about, uh, some of these bigger counties, bigger uh, precincts, takes a while to hand count all those ballots. But the reporting system seems to be working perfectly. The, the chairman of the Republican Party told us that you know he thought it was going to be smooth and it looks like he made good on that promise. So uh, I think we'll know by the time we wake up in the morning. Uh, but uh, maybe we just shouldn't go to sleep until we find out who's going to be in second
4: place in
2: Iowa. Well, none of us okay, are planning right, to, let's be
5: honest. Volunteering
4: all of us for all-nighters here, Jeannie. I just had something hit my inbox from Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. A short while ago, Donald Trump won the Iowa caucus. He is now one step closer to becoming the Republican nominee, then goes on to ask for donations how does this shape the race beyond just the Republican primary but as President Biden is actively engaged in general election politics right now.
1: Yeah, it's so important because, of course, we're talking about his commanding lead. But, of course, we have to remember this is all on the Republican side. And as we move into the national view of things, you have a very unpopular former president in President Trump who people, to Gavin Newsom's point, are very concerned about the impact he has on democracy, the fact that he is still litigating the 2020 election, the fact is he 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 has lost more elections than he's won. And he has refused to admit that. He has, to Rick's earlier point, been endorsing candidates in the last midterm who didn't do well. So these are all problems for the Republican Party. And this is why so many moderate Republicans wanted to look ahead and try to find somebody else. But at this point, at least in Iowa, they are saying no, no, no. And you know, I think we should say turnout. If it is as low as Kachal said, David Kochel said, or others have said, 100,000, 110,000, that's one-seventh of registered Republicans in this state. That is a very small slice of people who can get out to vote.
2: So what do we extrapolate from that? Let's say we get 110,000, 120,000 here compared to the all-time high north of 180,000. Rick, your takeaways knowing that turnout might have been that low.
5: Yeah, look, I mean,
2: it's it's cold outside, (laughs) and so like (laughs) it was advantage Trump, though. Yeah, we
5: thought actually it would disadvantage Trump to have this low of a turnout, so it shows the resiliency of the Trump vote here. Hmm. I might also, Matt, just uh, uh, add. Iowa was not always a red state. I mean, Donald Trump's emergence in 2016, uh, even though he lost the Iowa caucus, he won the state and he won it big. And he converted a lot of blue collar white voters, especially in the northwest of this state who used to be uh, Obama voters into Republican voters. And he did the same thing in other places around the country. So uh, the reason he won in 2016 was he had a partial realignment of certain voters of a certain class into the Republican Party and the Democrats have not been able to make Mm. a dent in getting them back. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, we have exactly one minute left, so this is a quick answer for both of you. Will we still have four candidates for the nomination when we get to New Hampshire next week, Jeannie?
1: I don't think we should, so I am going to say no, but at this point it's hard to tell because they're still waiting to see what happens.
5: Rick, I think it's irrelevant. It's a head-to-head race from this point on. Even if Ron DeSantis can eke out a minor win against Nikki Haley, she's got the momentum and it's a head-to-head for, for New Hampshire.
4: All right, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzana with us are out this evening. The Iowa caucuses, which have been called for former President Donald Trump, we're waiting for results on number two and three. Thank you for joining us here. Balance of Power will be back at 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow from Washington, and we'll have special coverage of the New Hampshire Republican primary next Tuesday, live from Manchester. This
1: is Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through, I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie?